It's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 550 for June 8th, 2018, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz, but this is not an episode of Programming by Stealth. Barth, Bart, 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 okay, I'm going to start over. Why not? Jeez. Bartholomew has a TH in it. There you go. Okay, we'll just keep going. Bartholomew is here to talk about the tech tools he uses to prepare his own show notes for his podcast, Let's Talk Apple, and for his Security bit segment from the No Silicast. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing just fine, and it's uh, it's nice to get on the odd light one, because otherwise everyone who ignores the heavy feed is going to never hear me again. So, that's, Well, like no, the they still get show. you in uh, Security bits, so... And people love Yeah, but I'm at the end of the show. For all I know, they just fast forward by me. Oh, I'm almost positive that now that I put in chapter markers, people just jump past my drivel and go to security bits. <laughs> I'll tell myself that. It'll make me feel good, but I'm not sure it's true. And I would like the audience to never tell either of us what the right answer is, right? Yes. Blissful ignorance, please. Leave it, leave it there. Right. We love what we do. So this all came up as a topic because the app that was central to everything you're doing, um, something happened, right? Yeah. So basically, this episode is another GDPR episode. Well, GDPR caused episode. Um, for years now, I have been relying very heavily on a tool which used to be a paid for tool called Instapaper. And about a year, I think it's about a year ago now, they were taken over and the entire planet celebrated because they refunded everyone's money and basically went, everything's free now, there is no more premium option. Okay. And I think I was one of a small handful of people who were really put out by that and suddenly went, great, I've gone from the customer to the product. Super. <laughs> and I'm now very worried that there's no future in this. Uh, as it turns out, that shouldn't have been what I was worrying about. What I should have been worrying about was the GDPR, because despite having literally years of notice, the day before, the day before GDPR kicked in, so on the 24th, we got an email from Instapaper saying, effective at midnight, we will be discontinuing service in Europe for the, temporarily until we can comply with GDPR. And I had a bit of a back and forth with some one of their senior guys on Twitter. And I actually at one point asked a very straightforward question. Are we talking days, weeks, or months? That seems I like an that easy was question. S- it should be if you have any sort of plan in place for how to do the basic simplistic stuff of dealing with GDPR. You know, if you're completely behind, you'll say weeks. If you just know that this is not important, you'd say months. And if you're really, really working hard, you'd say days. But what I got was, I can't even commit to that. Oh, come on. So you can't even commit to months. So with so little notice, I really, really had to panic. And I put the call out to Twitter because that's what I do and I don't know what to do. It's like, help, Twitter, come to my rescue. Um, and, and thankfully, a lot of Nasilla Castaways follow me on Twitter. So when I put out a little panicked cry for help, I usually get good replies. And what what tends to happen, it's a bit like uh, who wants to be a millionaire, you know, ask the audience. Very quickly, a pattern emerges. And oh, so you get some wild cards that didn't understand the problem, but then enough say the right answer? Well, it's not so much the right answer as, you know, there are, there are three or four different products that do genuinely solve the problem, but which ones actually work best for people? And if, you know, if you get 20 replies for Pocket, two replies for, I can't remember the names of the other ones because three guesses who won, um, you know, very quickly a pattern sort of emerges where the people who are the happiest 
and the people who are the most in volume are all talking about the same product. So you sort of pick up people's sense of enthusiasm, you know, are they just saying, mm, how about versus I adore blah, blah, blah. You know, and, you know, so I, I tend to go for the ones where people have a bit of passion behind it. And that was Pocket in this case. And I think the clincher was that someone pointed out that Firefox have bought Pocket. I was like, oh, Oh, well, if Firefox own them, that changes things a bit. You know, because, um, can we take a pause and back we up can. and talk about what problem are we trying to solve here? Yeah, that's a good point, really, isn't it? We got completely yeah. So the reason we ended up here is because Instapaper went away. But let's let's rewind a bit. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so I need to do for let's take Security Bits as the example. Security Bits is a digest of the news that's happened between the shows. So it's a generally speaking, every two weeks. And so for those two weeks, of course, the news news doesn't wait for two weeks and then all arrive at once in an organized form ready for me to just give it to you. Inconvenient of it. I know. It just keeps on flowing at a, at a constant, well, not a constant rate, but at a varying rate. So for the entire time, always, basically, every day as part of my daily routine is to use my RSS reader of choice, which is fee... No, reader, with two E's, because they can't spell. Um, but it's a beautiful app. That's um, because Feedly uh, went away. That's why you started to say Feedly, right? It is, I think, yeah. So it's reader, R-W-E-D-E-R. They have an iOS app, which is iPhone and iPad, and they have a Mac app. I own both. I use both. And I have it tied into Feedbin as the paid-for cloud backend that's actually hosting my RSS and Reader is my client into my Feedbin account. So back up. I don't know what that means to have a, a back end to a right, okay, RSS so Reader. I'm subscribed to a bunch of RSS feeds and I could subscribe directly in an app, but then my subscriptions would be stuck in that one app. Oh. So then when I go to my other computer, I lost my subscriptions. I lost what I've read, what I haven't read. So by using a cloud-based RSS back end, like, Feedbin in this case, it is one central cloudy place that tracks all of my RSS feeds and what I have read and not read. And then I just connect my different clients into it. And so in theory, I could use multiple different front ends. But in reality, Reader is so nice, it's the only one I actually use. But if Reader were to disappear, you would. But if Reader were to disappear, I'm not up a certain creek without a certain implement. Now, of course, if Feedbin were to disappear, I would be up the same creek again. But again, Feedbin is remains a paid service. I pay for it every quarter. Um, and basically, they have a business model, and that means that they're at least likely to hang about. I mean, there's nothing guaranteed in this world, but hey, you know, best we can do. You are starting to change my view of that. When I see something free, I'm immediately, my spidey sense is, well, this is going to go bad. <laughs> Or away. I mean, you know, bad or away. Either they're selling all of my information or this is a pie-in-the-sky idea that they haven't figured out how to make sustainable. They're going to pour their heart and soul into it, get bored, sod off, and then where am I going to be? Right, right. You know, it's one of the reasons I ended up as a Dropbox user because they had the, they had the freemium model well worked out and they made it very clear that if they had, I think they needed one in a hundred people to go for a premium account and they would they would make money or something like that. I mean, they they actually had the numbers published on their blog at one stage. I remember reading it going, okay, this is plausible. And then I was happy to sign up to Dropbox. Um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, you, you know, I, I like to know where the money is coming from. I like to understand it. I, I, I like, especially if it's something I'm committing to, you know, it's important to me that I'm able to do my own show and your show. So 
uh, you know, if I'm just playing a game or something, I, I don't mind taking a chance. But for something I'm actually investing in, I do kind of want to be confident it'll hang around. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, now, Reader is, is there. Is Reader day. a free service? Reader is most certainly not a free app. It is a paid-for app. It's not massively expensive if memory serves, but it's not, it's not a $1 okay. app. Okay. And it's one of those apps, like Transmit, it's just really well polished. Like I'm it, sure it's what Steve it's uses. An, yeah, it, it's an indie app written by people who who just care, and I am very happy to pay for software that meets that sort of. Someone has thought about this level of quality. Um, so I have Reader on all of my devices. I all my iOS devices, all of my Macs. It is it's everywhere I go. There is a copy of Reader, oh. uh, and so throughout the day. I will, as and when I have the chance. So I, I'm a big user of spaces. So I have a space for the, the stuff like email and stuff that I want to have out of sight while I'm actually doing work. But, you know, you know just before coffee or just after coffee or whatever, I'll switch, fling back to space one, have a quick checkup. Okay, you know, empty the inbox back down and have a quick look in Reader, in reader to see if any important security news is broken or anything like that. And so constantly throughout the week... I am reading news stories and anything that is of interest in any way gets just there's a reader integrates with other services. You can basically connect your other accounts. And one of those other accounts was Instapaper. Um, And so Instapaper was a bookmark aggregator. So you would basically say send to Instapaper. And then the idea is that you, you, you throw stuff at Instapaper throughout the day. And then when you have a free hour, the actual theory is that it's like a personal newspaper. So the idea behind the app was that you would then sit down on the train and read everything that you had Instapaper during the day. So they do the reader view thing and they sort of assemble it into into a collection of articles for you. But I didn't care about that. I just wanted it to collect all the stuff together because they let you categorize them. So you could create categories. So I had a category LTA for Let's Talk Apple, a, car- a category SB for Security Bits, um, another very important category for me is, um, I call it read later, but it's for long form articles that I know I want to read, uh-huh. but I'm just not reading it right now because it's the middle of my work day or I'm in the, on the way to somewhere or I'm standing in a, in a line at the post office or whatever. Um, so that's where stuff like that, um, the story about the flying boats would have ended up in there for a while. It may have, en- it may have sat in there for two weeks until I finally read it and then went, ooh, this is really cool. I, I uh, and another reading Chuck Joyner a hard time in an interview at uh, Backworld once about the, these kinds of tools because I'm convinced read it later for me would mean read it never. It can do because um, I have a lot of things I plan on reading. Yeah, and every now and then I just sort of go through and go anything that's more than a year old go away. Okay, I don't mind that. Right? Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to read it all, but it's like if I have time. These are things I might want to spend some time on, and some of them I I'll read quickly, and some of them I may I end up just deleting. I just sort of every now and then I just scroll through and I go, Do you know something that sounded interesting, but yeah, couldn't be bothered. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't you know you don't have to like I, Twitter. You don't have to read it all. My method is I open up tabs and then later on go back and go, Yeah, it's not that interesting. <laughs> or nope, my my Mac needs to be rebooted. Guess I'm never going to read that. <laughs> <laughs> The other the other category I have that I use very heavily, which isn't related to either podcast, is uh, recipe ideas. If I see a recipe that's even vaguely potentially interesting, I will throw it in that folder. And so when I end up with an ingredient in the fridge, like, like oh, sugar, the 
it happened recently with beetroot. The beetroot is about to go off. I need to eat it within the next three days. I go into that folder in what well, used to do it in Instapaper. Now I need to do it somewhere else. And I just type beetroot into the search box. And ten recipes will appear that I have collected over the last five years or whatever. And I'll just go, mm, yeah, okay, I'll go with you. And then once I actually cook it and once I actually like it, it then gets put into paprika if it's worthy. And then it will be sitting as a real recipe that I've actually tried. But recipe ideas is just, if it's potentially vaguely interesting, and because there's a search in there, it really doesn't matter. So just throw it in there, categorize it as, you know, recipe idea. And there could be 500 in there, it doesn't matter, because I'll, I'll search them based on, you know, sauerkraut or beetroot or whatever you're having yourself. You know, so it's... No, that's another thing I use it for. Okay. But anyway, so the the process is during the week, anything that's vaguely relevant, throw it in there. And then a few times a week, I would sit down and I would go into historically Instapaper and I would go to the Instapaper uncategorized folder, which they called Inbox. And I would drop everything from Inbox into either Read Later, Recipe Ideas, Let's Talk Apple, Let's Talk Photography. I have another one called Watch Later, which is actually for videos, because you can't always watch a video. Sometimes <laughs> you do not have the ability to have sound on. And so anything like where someone sends like a five-minute clip of something that's worth watching or whatever, that goes into Watch Later, which is like Read Later. And a lot of those never get watched, but some of them do. So, uh, and so, so basically, hang on. So you in? I'm trying to keep track of the path here. So uh, mm-hmm. Reader is where you're re- looking at all your RSS feeds and you somehow mark them in a way that sends them to Instapaper already categorized? Yes. No. They so just go as, to the so inbox. They go to the inbox on, on uh, historically on Instapaper. So Reader has the ability for you to c- configure share options. Okay. And you can have those appear in the share sheet or if you're something you do a lot, you can actually have it appear in the menu bar, that, like in the actual title bar of Reader. And so I have copy to clipboard, send to historically send to Instapaper and open in Safari as my ready to go buttons always there in the title bar of Reader. Because oh, they're, okay. you know, because if something isn't rendering properly in Reader because it's not quite real Safari, it's a web view. Uh-huh. Sometimes if people do funny things with, with cookies or whatnot or with pop ups, it doesn't quite work. And then you just sort of say, OK, fine, off the Safari with you. Um, but 99% of the time, I'm quote-unquote browsing the web in Reader, actually. By the way, I am absolutely addicted to Reader View. Uh, if for anybody yes. who doesn't know what he's talking about, in actually in other browsers too, but in uh, Safari, you get three lines in the URL bar. It'll say Reader View Available. Uh, you can see it on iOS and you can see it on the Mac. I presume you can see these things on Windows too. But if you tap that, all of the glop goes away. I mean, there's websites that the first thing I do as soon as the page starts to render is I hit that button because I know they've got so many ads and blinking things. And it's like, nope, you must be punished. Now, I have to say, when I'm using Reader, the app, I tend not to use it in Reader View. I tend to use it in full web view. Really? I I do. But because it's like a limited standalone browser, it doesn't have Flash or any of that kind of stuff. So it's still a cut down web by the nature of the fact that it's, it's just the HTML stuff. But I do kind of prefer to... Maybe it's because I like to know when I'm on Ars Technica because I give stories a bit more weight depending on where they're from. And if everything looks the same, I'm afraid oh, you I'll accidentally link yeah. to an idiot, you know? <laughs> I, I use it so often, though. I was on Macworld.uk and it, I actually got a browser warning saying it was using too much of my resources. 
Oh Jesus! Yeah, I took a clip of that and posted it on uh, on Twitter to to yeah. them to Macro saying, "Yeah, you think you got too many ads and crap going on here? Come on!" But I think it's about two or three years ago. I did a cleanup of my RSS feeds, and Macworld UK was was binned because they were never giving me anything I didn't get from ours or TMO or Tidbits, mm-hmm. and I just did not like the way they were heading in terms of uh, just the way they were doing their site. It was all clickbaity, and I, yeah, they got binned. Yeah, yeah, I can see and why. I, you know, th- yeah, the same attitude pervades, right? And stuff like the register never gets anywhere near my RSS either. It's like <laughs> I, we don't have time for techie tabloids. While we're talking about Reader again, um, I did look up the prices, $9.99 for the Mac and $4.99 for iOS. Yeah, so yeah, not cheap. No. Not, it, not Omni prices. <laughs> um, and I would say, v- I, I can say that they are easily worth that money for me. I have gotten easily that much value out of them a million yeah. times over. Like, they are, they are really nicely built apps. Okay, so I'm reading away during the week. Anything that might be interesting gets shooed off into... We keep saying Instapaper for now because that was true for years and years and years. And then every now and then during the week, I go into the Instapaper inbox and everything gets filed away into one of the relevant folders. And then we start getting close to recording day. So maybe two days out, three days out. So the first thing then is to go into the Security Bits folder and just have a quick browse of the first paragraph of every article in there just to have... A 40,000-foot view of what's been going on in the last two weeks. Okay. Just Don't do anything else. Just remind myself of what has been going on. And then by doing that, what will generally happen is stories will, will, will fall into a few different categories. There are what I call the low-hanging fruit. And so on the second pass-through, the low-hanging fruit gets written into the show notes. And the low-hanging fruit is stuff where there is zero doubt as to what category it belongs to. So... <laughs> This is a PSA slash tip. It's just a simple little tip, in it goes. Or this is an update, in it goes. Or this is a breach. I know where that goes in the show notes, in it goes. And then you're left with the non-low-hanging fruit. And that's stuff that either I'm not sure is worthy at all, or stuff where I'm humming and hawing between, is this important news or is this suggested reading? Oh, okay. And the only way to deal with that is to actually read the whole thing ah. again. So that's interesting. Or the sometimes ones that the you first really time. have to spend the time with are the less important ones. Or the ones that end up being so important they need a security medium. They ha- they oh, get okay. read in great detail. Much more detail than, than anything else actually because you need to pull out all the relevant facts and you know if you're writing paragraphs after paragraphs you you need to double check everything. Yeah. Um and the other thing that's done in the first pass through is Sometimes, particularly for Let's Talk Apple, where I'm interested in grouping related small stories into big picture stories for a whole month's worth of news. But even in security bits, stuff tends to fall into categories. It tends to fall into related chunks of news or maybe multiple links, which each give a different angle on the same story. So sometimes in security bits, you'll see headline, you know, link and link and link or whatever. So that sort of categorization comes out as you're, passing through the first time and you end up going to yourself okay so there's actually five or six different angles on this particular Experian breach or whatever and you start to think to yourself okay well if there's five or six different angles on it this is probably important enough okay up we go into important news link 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 and as I as stuff goes into the show notes it gets archived out of oh. so there's an archive button so it goes into basically the recycle bin huh. um, and I finished the show notes when everything is gone, 
either it just got archived and never put in the show notes or put in the show notes and archived. But basically, when the security bits folder is empty, I am finished. Oh, wow. Uh, or when the Let's Talk Apple folder is empty, I am finished. And so it's basically keep going until the folder is empty. And so I'll sometimes say things to you like, yeah, it's going to be a long show, Alice, and there's 90 items in the folder. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I'm yeah. about to start that process of collapsing those 90 stories into the show notes. And, you know, if there's 90 stories, they're not all ending up in the show notes, right? At least half of them are ending up in the archive straight away. But at the same time, it does still tell you that I have 90 items worth of stuff to, 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 to categorize, to reread. And then other weeks, and when it's been the same two-week period, it could be 38, 39. Wow. So, that you know, it really while, does though. get bursty. <laughs> It's It has been a while since we've had such a quiet one, yeah. But, you know, when they get up near the hundreds, you know that something like Spectre and Meltdown has happened. Or, I mean, Let's Talk Apple is going to be chock-a-block full. There's probably near 100 already because, of course, it's been the Worldwide Developer Conference. Right, and right. Particularly WWDC, like, the normal keynotes, there's a keynote and maybe one or two things secretly get put on the web at the same time when the store is down. But WWDC, there's a whole week worth of developer talks where more and more and more details keep being told to developers. Right. And so for the whole week, you have these news stories coming out. Oh, it turns out this API can do this a little bit more and this thing can do this a little bit more and there's this hidden feature here and here's a hands-on with the new beta OS. And so you end up with, like, lots and lots and lots of links they're going to have to digest down. Now, what makes Let's Talk Apple interesting is that it, unlike the shows or the uh, shows or articles where it's like they got to be first to instantly report on what happened, you take a long view of it. So it'll actually, you just recorded an episode the previous month. So your next mm-hmm. episode will be after being able to mull how important were these things really? Was that tape measure that good or not? Is it worth mentioning yeah. a month from now, right? Yeah, which means that actually for for Let's Talk Apple, that job of you know scanning through all the notes, that takes a lot more time for Let's Talk Apple because it's not that there may be some things which happen to be categorized. I absolutely have to collapse those, that basically those trees into a collection of copses of trees, you know, into little forests, <laughs> because there are only up to five main stories in a Let's Talk Apple episode. Right, right. So you have to sort of stand back and say, well, what are the patterns? What's actually important here? A year from now, what are we still going to care about? Oh, there's been lots and lots of little developments with the FBI. Taken individually, none of these matter. Put them all together. Ah, okay, this is a big story. So then you end up grouping them and you say main story or whatever. And what I actually often end up with is I have maybe main stories and I end up with eight of those. And then I just paste in all the links and then I step back and I go, yeah, actually, on second thoughts, that one doesn't work. You know, go away and then collapse it down until I'm down to my five stories. You know what you're doing? You're barting your Editing. articles. No, you're barting. <laughs> I am barting my articles. Yes. You're doing yes. exactly what you taught us to do with photos, where you go through all your photos and you say, OK, this one's crap, 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 crap. Keep this one, crap, 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 crap. Keep this one. And you get rid of maybe 30%. And a week later, you go back and do it again. You get rid of another 30%. Yeah. And if you're smart, you go back a third time and do it, right? Right. And yeah, exactly. So in this case, you keep distilling down the show notes until you're left with a sane, until that mess of everything that was potentially interesting for the whole month. So in the case of Let's Talk Apple, it's a month's worth of news. So you have a whole month's worth of maybe articles and you distill them down into actual finished show notes. And that, unsurprisingly, that takes a while. Yeah, well, that's the, I mean, anybody can regurgitate, but it's making sense (laughs) of all this stuff that, that is the value you bring. Yeah, and so for security bits, it's the same thing. But thankfully, it's only ever two weeks worth of news, and it's an easy, it's kind of an easier brief because 
Yeah, a month is a lot to try condense. So it yeah, the security bits variable. ones are easier to build. You literally don't know what's going to happen in the next month for Apple, but you know there's going to be some breaches. There's going to be some interesting yes. news. Um, one, possibly two security mediums. Things will come up where you need to tell us whether or not to light our hair on fire. But they, 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 we've been doing it long enough or you've been working on this long enough that you've got these categories and they don't really change. They don't actually, know. whereas the, the Let's Talk Apple categories come and go. So basically a category might appear uh, for two or three shows in a row. Like there was a while where Apple were just hiring and firing people at a phenomenal rate to the point where I had a whole category dedicated to who was coming and who was going. And the reason I did that was because there was this meme developing that no Apple has a retention problem. And I was sitting there reading my months worth of stories going, do you know there's more people coming in than going out? <laughs> so what if I collected these together as a group? And it's like, ah... This is not a catastrophe. This is churn. Right. Whereas if I had collected them all together and it was leaving, 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 I would have joined the chorus of people panicking and setting their hair on fire. Um, so it is actually kind of liberating to be able to do a monthly show. Yeah. I, I do uh, want to point out to the audience, I don't want to make this a Let's Talk Apple fan fest because you get embarrassed when I say nice things. But uh, in his latest show, he said there's one thing that seems to always be in the in the show, and that's <laughs> Apple suing Samsung. And you said they've been suing each other since before you started podcasting. <laughs> and I don't mean before I started Let's Talk Apple. Oh, I do? mean since before I started Mac podcasting. <laughs> That's okay, Mac News podcasting. I, I I used to do segments for you, I think, before the iPhone existed. So okay, maybe. That, obviously Samsung couldn't have been sued by Apple yet before they copied. <laughs> <laughs> they had to do the copying first. But yeah, no, it has been a ridiculously long time. Like back in the international Mac podcast days, we joked that it was a story that would never end. And that was... I am now 50-something episodes into a monthly podcast. That's crazy. And it's still going on. It's still not over. It's still not over because the Supreme Court refused to rule. They kicked it down to a lower court. And now it's going to probably try to go back up again because Samsung Shock and O'Hara are not happy to have lost. <laughs> anyway, that's... Ah. <laughs> Shouldn't have got you onto that. Okay, so now we, we've got the structure. We've got Feedbin is where the RSS feeds live. Uh, Feedly is where you uh, read them and mark them to go no, to reader. the paper. Feeder, sorry. No, um, no, reader, not feeder, reader. Heck, damn it. I'll get it yet. R-E-E-D-E-R. <laughs> There we uh, go. So Feedbin gets the RSS feeds. Uh, that's where the RSS feeds live. And then uh, Reader is where you actually read and triage and decide what's going to go to Instapaper. Then in yeah. uh, or the the client at that point. The, uh, and that's where the you bookmark decide. manager. Let's call it. Okay, we'll call it a bookmark manager, right? So at that point in there is where you triage them and decide or and get them into the right categories. Um, yeah. So it seems like it's time to talk about what are the requirements of a replacement for Instapaper? What what makes you use that tool and would help you decide yeah. uh, the next one? So the single biggest requirement from my point of view. So there, Okay, so there's the abstract thing of I want to be confident whoever I choose is going to continue to exist and I want to understand where their money comes from to the point where I'm confident that I trust them. So, you know, that's the sort of standard Bart follow the money thing. And it doesn't matter if I'm buying socks or or, or a feeder, you know, that's sort of my, my general approach to everything. So we, we'll take that as a given that I, I want to have confidence in the organization. But assuming we have that out of the way, technically speaking, what matters most? And the answer is not just the ability to plug into a browser, because actually I do very little of my reading in a true blue browser, not just the ability to be plugged into by reader, 
What I actually genuinely need is an OS level share sheet integration because people tweet me things, people telegram me things, people messages me things, people WhatsApp me things. Stuff just comes in from all over the place because everyone knows Bart's interested in Mac stuff and Bart's interested in security stuff. So stuff just arrives. And that means that wherever I am in either the Mac OS or iOS, I need to be able to click on that square with the arrow and have a button to send it somewhere. Okay. Makes and sense. Instapaper did that. And thankfully, their solution I've sold on as a replacement also does that. So while you know, browser integration, every bookmark manager that I found had browser integration. There was, there was nothing, I, there was no tool I considered didn't have browser integration because that's kind of, well, where else would I collect my bookmarks? But when you broaden the thing to, no, no, I don't just want browser integration, I want OS level integration, that started to cut things down a bit because then you're into people, then you're into people who understand the Mac and iOS. It's not difficult to write a, a plugin for a share sheet on either iOS or the Mac, but you do have to bother. <laughs> and it does mean that you have, an, you have to have a native app because the share sheet comes with the app. That's how, that's how Mac OS and iOS work. Your app provides the OS with a share sheet. So no app, no share sheet. I've always wondered about that because I've got apps where the the share sheet sometimes will say it can go to Telegram and other apps won't share to Telegram. It so Telegram's share sheet will have a will have a plist file that describes what it's prepared to accept. Oh, okay. And at and- the point you click share, the app you're sharing from will tell the OS, here's what it is I'm trying to share. And the OS will play matchmaker between all of the share sheets you have activated. And basically say, so this app is trying to send out a JPEG. Who will accept JPEGs? Oh, you will. Okay, there you are in the share sheet. Or this app is trying to send out a URL. Okay. And sometimes things get a bit messy where the developers haven't quite got things right. And they're they're telling the OS I'm offering one thing where they're actually offering something slightly different. Sometimes it doesn't quite line up, but 99% of the time... I find the share sheet works for me, and I'm I'm a very very heavy user of the share sheet. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love the share sheet. Okay. So share yeah. So share sheet was actually my biggest thing because even if there was no browser integration, I browse in Safari, so the share sheet would have saved me anyway. Right. Um. So, so that was actually my biggest thing because what there has to be is zero friction at the point in time when I hear about something. And actually, one of the actually one of the places I get a lot of links from is listening to podcasts and then immediately click on the show notes of the podcast inside Downcast, click on the link and share from there. So again, share sheet, you need the share sheet because you're not you're you're in a podcatcher for God's sake, you know, not not Safari or whatever. So anywhere anytime I need to be able to share. That that is the most important thing because if there's friction it will be forgotten. I promise you, with the best will in the world, I will say to myself, oh, I must remember to look up this story. This sounds really interesting. You know, particularly if I'm listening to Tech News Today's Daily Tech Headlines or Mac OS Can or something. And five minutes from now, it'll be gone. So I might be out for my lunchtime walk, getting in my exercise. I need to be able to do it from the screen in seconds. It has to be able to be saved in seconds or it is gone. Poof, forgotten. You know what I do when that uh, happens? I... uh Raise my wrist and I say, uh, hey, Siri, remind me at 10.30 a.m. to whatever. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. To, to write that down. Yeah. Whereas I just, I kind of like the idea of just having it done. It's now safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, once it's in 
the bookmark manager, as we shall refer to what the you know Insta paper and its replacement. Once it's in the bookmark manager, I'm, I'm fine. It's like it, it can vanish from my short term memory, dealt with, taken care of. Poof. I need to correct something I said. I think I said early on that Feedly had disappeared. It hasn't disappeared. That's the one. That's the one that Steve uses. Aha. Okay. okay. Just wanted to clear up my mistake. Yeah. Yes. Now, one other small thing to throw into the mix. So, Instapaper was my bookmark manager. But Instapaper also uses APIs. So, there are such things as Instapaper clients. There's an Instapaper app by Instapaper, which on the Mac sucks. Hmm. But they have an API. So, I used to use an app called ReadKit to actually view my Instapaper. Huh. And ReadKit would allow me to drag and drop into fo- into the folders on Instapaper. So Instapaper was the back end, just like Feedbin is the back end to Reader. So it, actually, there were four, there were two software apps and two separate cloud services were actually involved in my workflow. Okay, you're going to have to explain that to me again. Wait a minute. This whole time we okay. said we were in Instapaper, but we're not really in Instapaper. Right, so Instapaper is the cloud service that manage. That, so Instapaper is the bookmark manager, right? It you send bookmarks to it and you put them into categories. That's actually a cloud service. And they have an iOS app that's tolerable. And they have a Mac app that sucks. But because they're a cloud service, they also have an API. So you can use a third-party app to view the bookmarks you have saved in Instapaper and to view the categories you have defined in Instapaper and to manage, you know, to drag and drop articles between the different categories. So I used an app called ReadKit on the Mac to actually interact with Instapaper. Huh. And I still like ReadKit, but unfortunately, ReadKit's integration with Pocket is not as good as ReadKit's integration with Instapaper. So I've actually stopped using ReadKit and replaced it with the native Pocket app because the native Pocket app, unlike the native Instapaper app, doesn't suck. So I guess I still win. At the end of the day, I still have two pieces of software, one for reading and one for managing bookmarks. And I like both of them. So I guess I'm happy. But there has been quite a little bit of shuffling going on. Huh, okay. Yeah, so on the whole, I actually do like ReadKit. It's just that right now it doesn't solve a problem for me. I'm pretty sure it was a paid-for app as well. And I'm not deleting it because I may end up using it. It has integrations to a bunch of cloud services, so I may end up using it again. But as of today, it's not in my day-to-day workflow anymore. Okay. Which makes me a little bit sad. Because it wasn't any fault of theirs. Exactly, it wasn't any fault of theirs, but there we go. So... Actually, to be honest, yeah, so making sure they had a business model and making sure I could share from anywhere. And then the other absolute, absolute, absolute vital requirement for replacing um, Instapaper is the ability to categorize. Ah. Or rather, I thought what I wanted was the ability to categorize. Turns out what I actually wanted, I didn't know that at the time, was the ability to tag. Because categorizing, a link can be either in security bits or let's talk apple in instapaper it is one thing which you drag and drop into one folder or the other so i would have to remember when doing whichever came first so let's say that let's talk apple came before before security bits a story which is both security and apple i would have to think for a moment which is coming first apple drop it into the apple folder and then when preparing the apple show notes don't archive that story, drop it into security bits. Oh, because it was only one spot. Because it could only be in one place at a time. Turns out that with tagging, my workflow has gotten easier because now I just give it two tags and strip away the appropriate tag. And so I'm not actually deleting articles when I'm finished with them, necessarily. I can if I want, but I don't have to. I can just strip a tag off. 
So yeah, okay, security taken care of, but you still have your Apple tag, so I'll leave you alone. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so actually, it turns out I thought I wanted categories, but actually what I genuinely needed was tags. Uh, And so what I initially thought was, oh, pocket, this is, well, I guess I'll make do. No, 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 I wasn't making do. This is actually better. That's interesting. So uh, let me see if I can restate what you said. Is One of the main advantages is a tag allows something to live in two environments, not just one. Yeah, because you can tag. I can give something five tags, and then it exists in five quote-unquote folders. Okay. So if there was a, a big development in recipe apps on Let's Talk Apple, it could also go into recipes. <laughs> yeah, somehow if there was some sort of cloudy breach of potatoes or something, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Now that, but yeah, that's interesting. And it, you, know, you know, Alistair is going, yes, right now, don't you? Tagging wins, right? Tag, of course tagging wins. Tagging rocks. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so those are the the three requirements. A business model that doesn't suck, um, the ability to share from anywhere, and the ability to categorize. And as I say, it turns out tags are better than categories. Uh, And pocket scores and all those counts. So if I want to, I haven't quite decided if I want to or not. There's a free ad-supported tier of pocket, and there's a paid-for pro tier of pocket, which is $40 a year which is more than I used to pay for Instapaper. That was $25 a year. And I'm sort of trying to decide if, if I want to quite spend quite that much. But anyway, Wait, so how much is will. it again? $40 a year. Okay. So it's about twice the price, a little bit less than twice the price of what I used to pay. You know, one of the things that I look at is, like, you know, I've been worried about whether Clarify is going to go away. It has not hmm. gone away, by the way, to everybody. There's still There's still hope. But um, when I looked at the competitor to them, StepShot Guides, it was a subscription model and a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. But then again, Clarify is an app that wasn't financially sustainable at the price they were charging. So you can't say, well, you know, it was only $40 for Clarify. How come I got to pay so much more for StepShot Guides? It's like, well, you can't pay for for Clarify because they couldn't make money doing it. Well, it hasn't gone away. You just can't buy it. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it's a product which has been effectively dead-ended by the developer for the simple reason that I couldn't put bread on the table. Right. Because they weren't charging enough for it. Yeah. They haven't yet s- decided whether they're going to go 64-bit, so there's still hope it could keep working. But uh, Yeah, but the sort of Damocles is dangling over that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when it costs more, that isn't nece- that, that's another, yeah. is there a business model question, right? It is, right, exactly. So I'm in two minds, and I don't really have to commit. I can change my mind at any moment, right? Um, so I'm still I'm still on the fence about that one. But so, there is a pro option, so it is available to me so as and when the, I choose. what is the ad-supported version like? So the ad-supported version is what I'm using now, so it does everything the pro version does as far as... It does everything I need anyway, but it just means that I get one email a day with some... plugging some stories and some ads. Oh, it's just and an the, email? It seems to be because I I haven't seen an ad anywhere in the client. Okay. So it must be just I am getting an email every day. That's uh, so that must be it. That's, that's perfectly interesting. Tolerable so by me. so your email address you have sold them your email address for the price of forty dollars a year. Basically, yes, and the email address is your username. So that that's yeah. kind of that's, you know, that's interesting because that, that tells model. you how valuable those addresses are, doesn't it? It kind of does, but of course, because Firefox is a not-for-profit, it doesn't have to be that valuable, because this is... Well, though, they, Firefox own Pocket rather than 
running Pocket directly, so they probably do need to make a profit. So how long ago did they buy Pocket? And I thought Mozilla owned Firefox. It may be Mozilla that owns Pocket rather than Firefox. Yeah. Basically, I, I get a bit lost in the corporate structure. Sure. Um, has it been a while that they've owned them, or is that a recent development? It's not recent. Um, it, I mean, I say it's been a year, but the way my brain works, it could be five. I'm perpetually <laughs> surprised by how much time has passed. Oh, I'm glad to hear you say that. I have these friends that are just like, they can tell you instantly it, every everything. Uh, February 2017. Well, Okay, Betty. Okay, that half, wasn't a bad guess. Bad. A year and a half. Okay, that's by my standard, that's pretty good because usually things happen like, oh, it's my daughter's first communion. It's like, but she was only born a year ago. It's like, no, Bart, it's been six. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, so Pocket Pocket won, and actually, there's another nice little bonus. The, uh, a lot of the share sheets for Pocket. Um, so Pocket has direct integration with Reader, which means I don't have to rely on the OS level share sheet within Reader. And Pocket has direct integration with Safari, so I don't have to rely on the OS level share sheet there either. And both of those custom share sheets, the moment you click share, you get a little pop down that appears saying, you know, saved. And that little pop down has an icon to let you tag it straight away right there and then. Okay, hang on. Direct integration with Safari and with Reader. Reader. So when I click in Reader to save to Pocket, it says saved. And in the little box that says saved, there's a button that looks like a tag. And if you click on it, it lets you tag it right there. Okay. So you don't, so I can actually skip my, you know, once or twice oh. a week going and sorting everything into folders. I can oh, just do it nice. straight away. Right while you're thinking that about is, it. Yeah, that is really nice. So that is something I hadn't even, I didn't even think that that was something that I could want until, <laughs> it, until it appeared. I was like, oh my God, I want this. Now, and do, I have it. What do you mean by direct integration as opposed to share sheet, this OS level integration you were talking about? As in, there's a button straight in the UI, not the share button, not the OS share button that brings up the OS share sheet, but an actual button within Reader for Pocket. Which but you means also they get to said put that for UI Safari. And Safari has a plugin. So Reader, okay. so Pocket have, so when you install the Pocket gotcha. app, you get the share sheet for the OS level. And they offer you, if you would like, a Safari plugin. Gotcha, gotcha. Which means it appears as a button, and I think you can set up keystrokes as well. I haven't, I haven't but it, bothered. But with it that. also has OS level share sheet integration. Yes, which means so that when I'm in Twitter, WhatsApp, or, or wherever. Exactly, exactly. So basically, I have it everywhere. It is ubiquitous. Everywhere I go, it's either a native integration or an OS level integration. But either way, I am one one to two taps away. So the. The difference between the OS share sheet and the direct integration is a click, right? Because if right. it's the OS level one, you click the button to bring up the list of share sheets, and then you click the share sheet. Whereas if it's direct integration, you just click the pocket button. Okay, okay. So it's one less click when they have direct integration. Now, what um, what other apps came close? To be honest, nothing else came close. Really? Now, I sent you a link to a, a janky, open-sourcey-looking thing that had a business model. You did. The website looked it like it did have a business model. It, it scored really high on that category. Like on the, on the on the business model level, it scored immensely high. It looked like but, the website was written by Linux people, though, didn't it? Oh yes, it's it's stank of four nerds by nerds, which doesn't go over very well. With I me. think they even said that in their byline, didn't they? They may well have done. Like, and like the, we the once thing knew that a actually, UI designer, but we fired him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like, oh no, we we vaguely came out of the nineties, but we thought better of it and went back. <laughs> the big thing, though, that killed that is uh, it's really one, designed. Which one was it, by the way, that we were just talking about? Oh, I don't even remember okay. the name of it. 
I'll see if it's I terrible. can come up with it. Yeah, I, it was not it, something I had heard of before. I just was felt so badly for you. I was searching for a solution. Yeah. And what killed that one, actually, so it's designed for managing bookmarks you want to keep forever. So it's sort of like for managing a library bookmark. So when you click the add oh. button, you don't get a quick share sheet. They make you fill in a title and a category, and uh. which is no, which is great for what the problem they're trying to solve. But that's not the problem I'm trying to solve. And, of course, they do not have anything other than... Um, it's not even a browser plugin. What it is is one of these. Do you remember these old ideas where you could embed some JavaScript in the link in your in your uh, shortcuts bar? One of these scriptlets, as we used to call them. Hmm. Remember we used to do that ten years ago. Mm, I don't know that I did. You, one of your, one of the great Nasilla Castaways wrote you one for your Amazon link. Oh, that if you yeah, drag yeah. And drop, Klaus Wolf did. Yeah. Exa- okay. Yes, Klaus. Exactly. That's what they have. That that is how far back in the past they are. That that is their integration. One of these scripty bookmarks that you pop into your bookmark bar. Okay. So, but their business model was absolutely spot on. So they got my attention, and I went a reading, and I went a looking at the screenshots, and then I went a running. <laughs> Again, hard, hard in the right place, right? Absolutely. And to be honest, they were solving a different problem. So it's not surprising if if you set out to solve a problem I don't have that I'm not necessarily going to be all that excited. Okay. It's, you know. Um, yeah, to, yeah, Pocket really won hands down. It wasn't even close. Really? Actually. Really? So nobody else had a um, had an option for no. it? No, I, I, yeah, there, there was no one, yeah, no, there was no one got a second thought. Really? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, that makes it a little easier, like you said. Thankfully, because I was in a sort of mad rush. I had 24 hours. That is, that is just appalling. I mean, that's the worst of it, right? Even if they did come out next week and say, hey, I figured it out. Nope. Yeah, too late. And for a while, I kept both plugins active in my Safari and in Reader. And today, I just said, no, I've had enough. And Instapaper has been deleted. It's okay. Gone. I can't actually delete my account from their servers, ironically. Oh, Really? Because all I get is a page telling me that I'm not allowed to access their stuff anymore. Oh, you want me to do it for you? <laughs> yeah, I'll VPN to America at some stage and I'll take care of it. Because all they're doing is IP-based blocks, so it's just I just need to VPN. It's just I just it's going to take a bit of effort, and then I'll actually log in and actually delete my account. But for now, they've gone, they've been they've been expunged from my share sheets, which which is pretty you know for someone who uses share sheets as often as me, that's ooh harsh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Cold, Bert. So cold. Cold. Um, yeah, so the, their Mac app I quite like as well. Um, and their iOS app works pretty well too. So I'm, I'm basically, I'm happy with them. Um, and then the only other tool I should mention, since we are kind of talking about the whole workflow then. So collecting links is Reader. Saving them on the, you know, saving the RSS feeds on the back end is Feedbin. They end up archived in Pocket. The app I'm using to actually, you know, wait, manage no, no, the bookmarks get... is now wait. Pocket itself. Oh, right, right. So Pocket has become the back end and front end, where it used to be that uh, Instapaper was the back end and ReadKit was the front end. So that sort of collapsed into one less tool. But actually writing the show notes is another process in itself. Oh, yeah. And so my app of choice for that, that wins hands down after many years of experimenting with different options, is Byword, which is a really lightweight, quick-to-launch editor that has really good markdown support. Right. I actually own Byword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It 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 just gets out of your way. 
it just completely, totally, utterly gets out of your way, and it launches in seconds. And that is very important to me because I want it to be quick and easy. And it also works very, very reliably with iCloud. So there's an iOS app and there's a Mac app. And you probably spotted a pattern here, but it's installed on all of my devices, be they my iPhone, my iPad, and all of my Macs. And I I just, all the show notes are in there. And so whichever machine I sit down to, I can pop open the current show notes that are on the go and, you know, add a few lines, delete a few lines, or you know, change a few things, and then put it aside and pick it up again so later. Is this a whole lot of copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste? There is a lot of copy, paste, but... Um, the, the, not that much paste because I'm using the text expander shortcut I have that turns a link in the clipboard into a nice link with the name of the site and the tree ellipsis and stuff. Right. So we we did a whole chit chat about that doing that, I believe, because it's basically a combination of text expander and a script. I think it was part because of text expander by call self, a script. wasn't it? Was it a program yeah, by self? Because you were you were scripting it, I think. Either way, we talked about it on a Propeller Beanie episode of this show, <laughs> however we classified it. Yeah, right, right. Um, so uh, to be honest, yeah, so it's copying and then expand, then that text expander snippet fires. And actually, the most the most time-consuming part of writing the show notes is writing the one-sentence description. Yeah. Because one accurate, clear summaries are hard. <laughs> And I have this thing against tabloidy headlines. So I rarely, you know, I don't like to just use the headline from the site because very often I don't agree with them or I think they miss the salient points. And I often make mine a lot longer because they're not really headlines. They're one sentence summaries. And I will include things like, you know, brackets, editorial by Bart and have a little bit of a, you know, an opinion because I like to separate between this is what happened and this is what I think. They're not the same thing. I mean, the... Yeah, they they should be judged differently by listeners, right? This is what actually happened, and this is what Bart thinks about it. They're not the same. Yeah, and I, I like it to be clear when I'm opining and when I'm telling you what happened. Yeah, fact versus opinion. Yeah, I think that's important. And I, then it, the, it actually, I, I don't think you should understate the value of that. I there are podcasters, and I'm not going to name names, where they declare <laughs> things to be so, uh, and oh, yeah, and yes. it's like. Just for example, the Mac, the uh, MacBook Pro keyboard. You cannot mm-hmm. say it's a bad keyboard. Well, no, you can't say that, but it's not. A, it's not true. It is your opinion. You do not like that keyboard, but there are yes. things. And if within a given definition, you could say the definition of a bad keyboard is one that ever breaks. Okay, but it's so many people are just saying it is demonstrably a bad keyboard as I type away on mine. You know, it's well. You don't like it. I don't like the keyboard you like. So yeah. I, I do yeah, like the, the, you the know, separation of fact from opinion. Well, thank you. And it, 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 it's something I feel very strongly about, actually, especially in today's world where the two have been mushed together too much to my liking. So I do my teeny tiny little bit. <laughs> Change the world by doing what you know. We're doing what you want people to do, right? Right. Uh, and then the, the the final sort of piece of the, the the puzzle you've probably guessed then is the show notes are written in a Markdown, so they're all plain text files written in a format which can be quickly converted to HTML and which is human readable, and that makes it very quick and easy to move things around. You know, if I want to make something italic, I just star type it and you know close the star. If I want to make something bold, star star. And I have my text expander snippets for making the links. Um, 
and bullets are just the star symbol numbered lists are just a number with a period so it it just kind of works for me that way and it also means that if byword goes bye-bye they're just text files yeah so it is impossible for me to be locked out of those files ever they're just text files so how much time do you spend going to get the little american flag to put in front of american only uh stories Ah, see, I now know that Control-Command-Space brings up the Emoji tab, and uh, then when I go to my favorites, you'll find that all the flags that regularly have security news are sitting there waiting for me. Wait a minute, what is the keystroke? Control-Command-Space. Hang on. Control-Command-Space. Space. Space. If you're in somewhere where you can type text. It has to be, basically, you have to have a cursor in front of you typing text. It doesn't work in uh, Telegram. Mm, Telegram's a funny app. Yeah, is it? Is yeah, because it, it doesn't obey some of the other words. Like here, I've got a text edit window open. Yeah, c- control commands. I did yeah, say control there it command. Is. Yeah, it? yeah, control command space. Yeah, yeah. So I do that all the time, and I favorited all the ones I care about. Um, and when the fire extinguisher comes into being, I'll be favoriting that. <laughs> um. So that's not just the emoji viewer. It's all the, it's, uh, what are they, a character viewer is the name of the uh, the window that comes up. Yes. Because it's got arrows and bullets and, I, and shapes and currency and all that. I wish it would default to the favorites tab. Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually a third party app called Rocket that's designed for people who type a lot of emojis. And my two base instincts are fighting with each other because... I like to keep my Mac as out of the box as possible. I like to use the built-in tools whenever I can so that I can sit down in front of a random Mac and not feel as if my arms have been chopped off. (laughs) And if I become dependent on Rocket, then that's another thing. So Text Expander is already an exception to my rule and 1Password is already an exception to my rule. And if I, I just don't want too many exceptions. But on the other hand, Rocket is an amazing app that does one thing and it does it really well, which I also love. (laughs) <laughs> and it's really well thought out. So they're they're having a little fight, and they have been for the last two months. So what does Rocket do? Rocket lets you type colon name of emoji colon, and it'll just pop them in. And if you just type colon and start typing, it'll it sort of it'll start bring you up the options. It'll start figuring it out for you. And for people like me who aren't great at remembering these things, the fact that it starts figuring it out is damnable helpful. Yeah. Um, so that's apparently not from the Mac App Store. There are many things with Rocket in it. What it's called. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it was Micah Sargent recommended it on something. Oh, I was going to say, that man's an emoji and, an, an, uh, not an emoji, a uh, bitmoji fiend. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bart, this has been really fun to have you kind of pull back the curtain and, and show us what all the work is that goes on in the background as you get ready for your shows. This has been fascinating. I've always wondered what your process was. I knew it had it had RSS in it somewhere was all I knew. <laughs> well, they're the buzzwords, right? RSS, Markdown, they're, they're definitely the buzzwords. And in between, we have all of these cloud tools and apps holding it all together. I guess it's taken a couple of years to figure out what the workflow is. But at this stage, I do it pretty much on impulse, which is at least... Actually, there's your ultimate test, right? If your tools are good, you don't think about the tools, you just do the work. Right, right. And we're definitely at the stage now where I am thinking about the work and not about how to do the work. Already? Oh, that's great. Yeah, and even with Pocket, which I've only been using for a week and a bit now, um, I'm already at that stage. So that is good. That's a relief. Oh, excellent, excellent. 
Well, very cool. I I really appreciate you coming on and telling us all about this. And I have no idea what your ending to this kind of this kind of show is. Um, that's a good point. No, you put me on the spot. But I think no, happy computing seems appropriate, doesn't it? Okay, we'll next, go with that. Yeah. Until next time, happy computing. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal, or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.